Alright, no JD Bunks again today. He'll be back on Monday, so Ben and his flying solo. Um, I was watching the draft by myself, as I want to do. I mean, it, my wife could have watched the draft with me, the NFL draft. She was right next to me. Chose not to, as she does with all sports. Um, I think I, I was one of the few that was emotional watching Roger Goodell sit on a leather chair, or at least see his leather chair, <laughs> and uh, get emotional watching Kings of Leon. By the way, where were Kings of Leon? Have they been around? Have they been making new stuff? I guess that's why you, you do a, you do something like that, right? So that people ask the question and then Google you and find out if you have new new stuff out. They had a moment. Don't hate me some Kings of Leon. Um, that was one year ago today. We were watching that NFL draft done via Zoom. And one year later, basically that country's back to normal. And I know not officially. They'll be officially back to normal in the summer. New York City, liberal bastion. I mean, Texas is back to normal. They were back to normal a couple months ago. But normal, that's in quotation marks. New York City, who's not quite Texas or Florida, in California... Those places are getting back to normal in the summer. It's happening. It's just, yeah, it was emotional to watch that NFL draft and compare and contrast my feelings from a year ago to one year later. Um, it was great. It's great to see Roger Goodell hug people. He leans too hard into the booing. You boo, I get it. Every commissioner gets booed. Just just eat it. I, I, I like what David Stern did, actually. David Stern's the best at, or was the best at, eating the booze. He would just sit there and he would take a couple extra beats to to let it wash over him, but would not respond. You don't respond. You make it lame when you respond. Just eat it. But anyways, uh, I was emotional watching the draft. Draft was fun as hell. And we'll talk to uh, Ty Dunn about it uh, later on this hour. And we'll talk to Trey Wingo as well. Had a couple people. No big deal. Tell me I look like Zach Wilson, who, I mean, looks 12. But like, maybe he looks like a 12-year-old me. Anyways, agree, disagree. Uh, I'm, I'm just telling you that's the truth. More than one person told me that. Uh, Raptors do what they've done basically the last two weeks, which is look good, make you feel excited about the core, even though Fred Van Vliet, uh, Fred Van Vliet didn't play. You feel good about OG, what he's done now with the 20-plus the in, what is it, six straight games now is ridiculous. Uh, ecstatic about what OG Ananobi has done recently. Malachi Flynn, same thing, step in the right direction. Uh, too bad they left him on an island to start that fourth quarter, and that's where the game was lost. It's over. It's it's. I, I suppose it's not if you rattle off wins the rest of this road trip, but overcoming two-and-a-half game deficit with the teams that are still left on this road trip and the way that the Wizards are playing, it seems... Like a hill too steep to climb. And you know what? Honestly, that's fine. Feels like a season that needs to end. It was enjoyable to watch. There's still an enjoyable watch for like three quarters until they run out of gas because either their depth is exposed or their conditioning is exposed because a lot of these guys are still recovering from COVID. Um, And then the Leafs do their thing after clinching because I told you... I know they were already into the playoffs before the X got placed beside their name in the standings after that win over Montreal, but this is what head coaches do. They need to see the X before they start doing things like Sheldon Keefe did yesterday, lifting Morgan Riley and uh, Jake Muzzin and Nick Foligno. Uh, That's what happened. 
and they still won the game because they're much better than the Canucks in every single facet of the game. Um, and Rasmus Sandin keeps getting handed these opportunities more and more and more, and he keeps doing incredible things with him, uh, with them. And what the Leafs do with him come playoff time is going to be super interesting, especially if Zach Bogosian's good to go. Our next guest is making his good show debut, I believe. I don't think I've ever talked to him on the radio before. Last time um, we saw each other in our place of work, you know, I was his superior. I was, I was instructing him. I was, I was teaching him everything he knows when we worked at City News Channel together. It's Sean McKenzie, Sportsnet hockey reporter and, uh, I guess, aspiring male model. What's going on, Sean? You only had me on to tell that story about being my superior. It's not much of a, it's, it's not much of a story. It's like an now anecdote. You're, you're just going to end the interview. Like, thanks for having me, Sean. There we go. Okay. Good, good day, everyone. I'm well, good. How are you, Ben? I'm good, buddy. No, honestly, it's it's been a it's been a long time. Too it's long. Not, yeah, it, it's it's definitely too long. I don't know how that makes me look good. I mean, you our our careers we were like ships passing in the night. You went you you jumped into your rocket ship at that point, and now you're the one of the faces of hockey in this great country. I think that's a gross <laughs> over exaggeration. If I'm the face of hockey, then hockey's got major issues because this isn't much of a face. But those were great times, the old city hit days where. We used oh, yeah. to hang out and do 47,000 six-minute updates in the course of a six-hour shift. It was a good place to cut our teeth. Yeah, man. I I always wonder what it's like for people trying to get into the industry now because, like, the, the gatekeeping's a little different because, you know, you got social media and, and I don't know, phones are better. <laughs> you can just basically put yourself on, on TikTok and, and create a demo that way. But the reps we got doing city news channel sports where yeah you're doing two three minute updates an hour and and producing them and and writing them yeah that was uh i miss yeah, those, those times uh, those and those opportunities don't seem to be around as much anymore where you can you know it seems like anytime you get on air now and you see young people getting in where the first time you get on air is almost like a big moment where it felt like those you know those were big moments for us but we did like i said 40 of them a day and non-stop yeah. over and over and over again it feels like uh, unfortunately those uh those days are gone, but we have TikTok, we have yeah. Clubhouse, we have apps I don't even know exist yet that the kids are into. The darn yeah. kids. Yeah, the darn kids. Um, you're right, but I mean, you're you're kind of part of the the darn kids. So I'm old, I'm old now. Yeah. All right. Well, then, what does that make me? Don't answer that. Oh, uh, really old. <laughs> All right. Uh, no, you're doing a great job, and it's it's awesome to watch what what you've done with your career uh, to this Thank point, Sean, and not done yet. You're going to be supreme overlord of uh, sports media one day. But, uh, man, what's it been like to cover this team in this bizarro year? Because uh, I know at least you get to see CJ every once in a while. Uh, you get to go into the building when they're at home and, and Sportsnet has the games. But still everything's done over Zoom. What's that been like? What's that experience been like? I, I preface all of this with it's still amazing to cover hockey and I'm fortunate yeah. to you know, be able to still do that given you know, the state of Ontario, the state of Canada, the state of the world right now, but it, it, it drastically changes the. I don't want to say the, we're in the building, we're getting watching, but it, 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 at times it's a little bit mind-numbing for everyone. Where you know you watch practice from a distance, you you're on a Zoom call after and they line up one player after the other. There's a little bit of, um, I think, from my job's perspective, it's a little bit more challenging to 
pull out personality from guys and find those unique stories and dig deep. You know, before you be sitting next to a guy for an interview and you can have a minute before to say, hey, you know, can I ask you about this or did that actually happen? Or And now you're kind of across the ice 100 feet away or more and it loses that little bit of personal touch. Like I said, it's amazing to be able to cover hockey right now and, and win every day and still do the job. So I'm, I'm really, really fortunate to uh, be able to do that. But I, it, it's, and the viewers can probably pick up that there's just a little bit less energy in the building. There's a little bit less energy in broadcast. But, uh, hey, we're, we're getting to watch hockey. And uh, it's it's cool to see how, you know, by now it's almost like Sh- Sean, everyone's adapting. We're, yep. uh, I'm, we're going to try and call you back because your phone is um, giving us issues right now which is, I mean, also part of it, that we're relying on technology to have conversations with these uh, with these athletes. I mean, that's for reporters who, who tell the stories of these teams and these athletes, it's got to be difficult. When you're absorbing the same information that everybody else is, um, I don't know how that sounds, but that's that's not generally the way it's supposed to go if you're good at your job. If you're good at your job, like Sean is, like Shy Davidi is, like Michael Grange is, you you don't just, I mean, you sit in the scrums where there's a thousand other reporters. You do that too, but then you do your one-on-one stuff. You you find stories that other people don't find. And it's a little tougher, obviously, in uh, the Zoom world. It's also super tough when you have phones that suck. Uh, but yeah, I guess your phone is better now, Sean. Hello. Yes, I I, I threw it against the wall, picked it up, reassembled it, and uh, I think we're good now. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, no, we're great. We're awesome. No, uh, so, I mean, the point was made, yeah, about it being a different um, experience covering hockey this year. Uh, I wonder, though, in your dealings with the team, in those Zoom calls, understanding what you can this way and comparing it and contrasting, because you know these guys, because you've covered this team for years now, and I assume you have some sort of a personal relationship as much as you can professionally with them. If you are noticing something different in the way this team interacts or the chemistry on this team, is something that we can actually point to and say, well, this is, if they do have success in the playoffs, this is part of the reason, oh. this, this intangible thing. Yeah, and when it comes to not picking up on things, it's more of the little intricate details of like going into the room and seeing that a guy's using a new stick brand, or you know that he's you know he's switched up little little okay. bits of gear, or he's stories. doing oh I love them, he's doing different stuff with his warm up, like really kind of. But when it comes to the actual like that stuff, you know that's palpable just in practice because we still get to see it from above, and it's you learn covering hockey long enough not that i've been doing this for a hundred years but you learn to understand when guys seem genuinely excited to talk about things versus when they're giving you the cliche we have great leadership we're ready for the play like you 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 learn how to kind of look at something and go you know what i think that guy genuinely means that versus i think we're just getting the answer that probably sounded good and, and was the right answer um and i think right now we're getting a Leafs team that is genuinely excited and, and at a different level than we've seen in the past where I got the sense and it's a totally understandable that a young team that kept going through, you know, it was a weird mix before where you had the Morgan Rileys, the Nazem Kadri's, the, the, the older generation mixed with Matthews and the Marners guys that had been through a lot of failure mixed with these young guys who maybe had lost out once in the playoffs. And it just seemed like a vibe that was like, here we go again. And it's tough to overcome now this young team has a new group of guys with Simmons and Thornton and Felino, guys that know what it takes to go deep, and also just guys that 
when the mood gets tough, you can see Joe Thornton just single-handedly lifting everyone up. Like on a day-to-day basis, that guy's the happiest. Imagine if you worked in an office that was a negative place where you show up every day and it's just filled with negative people going through tough stuff. That's a hard place to constantly perform in. Imagine you throw someone in there who goes out of his way to uplift every single human being in that office. You'd start looking at it and going, you know what, this is a fun place to be. I want to be at work. I want to do good things. I think that's probably the closest comparison to real life that I would put Joe Thornton in. Just a guy that you want to go into work and see. And I think that's probably paid huge dividends to a lot of guys that maybe have been through a lot or maybe, you know, after a tough loss, go, here we go again. So I noticed that immediately. See, now my house is my workplace, and I'm that guy. I'm the Joe Thornton of this house, you know, like I'm drawing the little syrup uh, smiley face on on the pancakes in the morning. That's me. I'm Joe Thornton. See, there's a difference between thinking you're the Joe Thornton and actually being the Joe Thornton. (laughs) I I don't think it's up to you to decide if you are the Joe Thornton of the house. It's for those, like, you never hear Joe Thornton say, like, I'm I'm uplifting everyone here. You hear, so I would like to ask the people that live in your house with you if you are actually the Joe Thornton of your house because I'm not sold yet. Here's what they'd say. They're like, uh, is he Joe Thornton because he's really, really good and, you know, he lifts our spirits? Maybe not. Is he Joe Thornton because he walks around half naked all the time? They would say yes. Yes. It, it, that it, is. Are, are you the Joe Thornton in the house that you walked around half naked looking weathered and, and maybe yes, a little bit yes. beat up with a big beard? With a beard. Yes, that's me. <laughs> that's, that's where I'm Joe Thornton. I believe that. That, that's yeah. believable. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, you should believe it because it's true. Uh, talking to Sean McKenzie. So, yeah, you, you talk about, like, hey, cliched, uh, parsing the cliches from the real stuff. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm I'm buying all the, the real stuff. I mean, Austin Matthews, what did he say about Rasmus Sandin yesterday? He's awesome. Like, <laughs> I'm buying. And, 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 yeah, and, and that's what I mean is, like, sometimes you ask players or other players and – I think often you get, oh, he's great, great guy in the room. And like, you're like, okay, that's – but then, like, there's those examples of, like, Austin Matthews, for some reason, as long as Rasmus Sandin has been in the NHL playing for the Leafs, Austin Matthews, when you ask him about Rasmus Sandin, always has this amazing light-up moment where he's like, I love him. He's great. And that's genuine. Like, Austin Matthews is a pretty, a pretty unique guy in that he's very honest, and I think he's kind of a new era of NHL player that – when he doesn't like a question, he'll kind of tell you, not directly, but you'll get a sense that he doesn't want to talk about that. He won't give you the long, you know, dancing around it. He'll just give you a short answer and you move on. Where when he genuinely is excited about something, you can tell. Like, and, and it immediately shows up on screen. And every time he talks about Rasmus Sandin, it shows up on screen. And I think that's partly probably because off the ice, they probably have a great relationship, and Rasmus Sandin seems like an amazing kid, but also because Austin Matthews, as an elite-level talent, can probably see that Rasmus Sandin also has elite-level talent and gets excited about it. So that's why, like, when I say you can pull the cliches from the ones that aren't, that's a perfect example that you just gave because, yes, like, Austin Matthews is genuinely excited to have this guy on his team, which is really, as a Leafs fan, if you see that, you should probably be as excited as Austin Matthews. Yeah, and also if you have eyeballs and you watch Rasmus Sandin yes. on the ice, play hockey and play 20-plus minutes and take Morgan Riley's spot um, on a rest day, granted, against a Canucks team that's just trying to get to the end of the season. I get it, but to it's have still the, the NHL. Yeah, man. I mean, uh, even strength shot attempts were 20-7 to 7 
when he when he was on the ice in his favor and we can see the plays he's making whether it's a long breakout pass or or blocking a a pass into the slot or setting up uh, a goal um it's it's been an incredible run for for Sandine who's had a a rough go of it this year where he couldn't get into the lineup to start um and then Lettinen gets traded and he gets hurt and then I mean, he's really had to, if he didn't show something immediately, who, who knows what his, his season looks like. I mean, the Bogosian injury, I guess, for, would have forced somebody into the lineup. But what he's done with the opportunities is incredible. And all of a sudden, it's, man, it, it's not him that's coming out of the lineup if Bogosian's back. It, it's pretty clearly Travis Dermott, isn't it? You have to think so, just based on what we've seen from these, uh, the, the example of him last night. And, like, again, and I'm always quick to to think, oh, yeah, it's 100%. It's going to be Rasmus Sandy. But the playoffs are a different beast. And coaches do tend to like consistency. And I'm not saying that that's what we're going to see, you know. But I think coaches do like, especially starting the playoffs, these next handful of games will dictate it. You know, you got two weeks left. And if Sandin's if you cannot take him out of the lineup, but you often hear coaches say, well, you know, we, we liked a few games, but we just need to go with what we have and what we know works there. And then you might see it sprinkled in throughout if, if they don't like it through their uh, first couple of games, but he's played himself into that spot and he's shown he can handle it. And he's going to make a very, very tough decision for the Maple Leafs coaching staff. And, you know, if you, put money on it right now and Zach Bogosian's not back. I don't see how you take him out of the lineup. But again, I think these decisions sometimes, and I think that's what being around hockey a lot and talking to coaches is something you learn to understand, is that sometimes what looks very obvious isn't always obvious in their heads because they're balancing a lot of different things that maybe the average fan or media person isn't thinking. You know, they're thinking pairings, they're thinking development, they're thinking um, comfort, they're thinking, you know, just they're thinking, you know, basically playing, you know, chess. And at times we're playing checkers. And I don't know if that's always a good thing or a bad thing. But, yeah, it's to, a long story short is he would be very, very difficult to take out of the lineup if he continues to play the what we saw last night. Yeah, uh, I agree. Talking to Sean McKenzie. Um, this next issue I'm going to bring up is kind of, I don't know, I, I feel multiple ways about it. One is that it's not controversial because nobody on the ice is is talking about it in that fashion. Everybody's cool with, with what Wayne Simmons did to Alex Edler uh, yesterday. Like, I haven't yeah. seen one Canucks player say that was ridiculous and he already served his time and it was never intentional. And no, nobody said that. And it, it, it's really not an issue either way from the players. It's like a Twitter issue, right? Yeah, I, I, yeah, go ahead. No, we, we do that a lot in hockey, uh, fans and media, where, and, and sometimes I struggle with it because when I hear players say that's an issue, then I start to go, okay, well, that's an issue. It's something that I think actually resonates through. But I also think there is more to it sometimes that it, it, players are just go about their daily lives and, you know, go oh, whatever. It's, you know, just, it's a fight. Cool. Where it, it is kind of the media's job or fans to point something out and say, well, I don't really like the way that that's going. Cause everyone has a right to look at the game and say, I don't like the way that was handled or I don't necessarily like as a viewer to have to see that. It doesn't make sense to me. I don't understand it where it's so ingrained in the players that I think sometimes it probably just is water off their backs. I know. Yeah. Edler fought, you know, Wayne Simmons. I, I also think players, you know, get hyped up and they see and go, okay, yeah, great fight. You know, it, it, it is what it is. I'm torn on this one because I think both guys have a job to do. And I think Wayne Simmons 
came to Toronto, probably playing against the Leafs, knowing that that used to be a pretty weak team to play against, and you could push them around. You could go after guys, and you would never really have to pay the price. And I also think there's a sense right now, Joe Thornton, Wayne Simmons, approaching the playoffs, that they are picking up that intensity, and they want to drag everyone into the fight, which they've been doing. So I look at Wayne Simmons and go, that's where he gets paid to do. And that is exactly what the Maple Leafs went out and got Wayne Simmons. Then I look at Alex Edler, and you can feel for him and say, look, he threw a hit. He's not a dirty player. He threw a hit that probably in the moment he didn't necessarily mean to do, but it came off and it was a dirty hit. And so I understand where he would think, okay, someone's going to come after me. He doesn't have to accept that fight with Wayne Simmons. And I don't think Wayne Simmons is a great human being, and Alex Edler is as well. So I don't think if Alex Edler says no, he's going to sit there and go, well, I'm going to beat him up anyways. No. Wayne Simmons drops his gloves. He asks him. Alex Edler obliges. So good on him. That's very, very impressive that he would do that. I think that was his first, if not one of his first few fights in the NHL. No, it's his first um, ever. First ever fight, yeah. And, and to do that, and I think guys understand that that unwritten code is, hey, you know what? I, I did hurt one of your better players. I did, you know, pay the price for it, and now I'm, I'm going to do this, and then it's over and done with. So I think they, when you hear guys talk about policing themselves, I think that's exactly what it is. I don't know if it's necessary. It happened, though, so I think we could talk blue in the face if it's necessary, if it's stupid, if it's dumb. Those guys thought it was necessary. Edler accepted. The players don't seem too upset about it, so I, I, I don't know. It's, it's an issue, non-issue. Yeah, honestly, it's to me, it's, and this is where you can disagree, but this is an un, it, you cannot dispute this fact. It's within the confines of the rules. The rules allow for fighting in yeah. the National Hockey League, and they there's a penalty for instigating he didn't get one there because they both threw down at the same time but that's part of the game and it's less a part and, of the game although fights were up this year so yeah, it's, it's yeah. weird and, and, and hey look if wayne simmons grabbed alex edler and edler said no i am not fighting you and wayne yeah. simmons then proceeded to ragdoll him and punch him in the face then i would say that's the dumbest thing i've ever seen that's right. that list, that's dumb, it's not necessary, he didn't want to fight, so you shouldn't have, and those are the ones that kind of do upset me, where a guy yeah. clearly doesn't want to fight, and he gets dragged into it by someone, and it's also different when he fights a true heavyweight that isn't there, like Wayne Simmons still serves a great purpose for the Maple Leafs as a skill player, as someone who has, it's not like Colt Nor, and that's no offense to Colt Nor, but it's not like back in the days when there was a strict enforcer that would show up for right. three minutes a night, and then try to beat your face, and you know, like, it, it, it Wayne Simmons is a bit of a different example, and I think all those guys though do have that level of honor, whether it be a Colt Moore, whether it be a Wayne Simmons, whether it be a skill player or a fighter, that they know, hey, I'm not going to sucker punch you if you don't want to go. But if that was the case, I'd say that's silly. You know, he doesn't have to pay the price. Or if Alex Edler got hurt and got punched in the face and got a concussion, I'm going, well, yeah, that's totally stupid. But again, it happened. They both agreed to it. So I don't know if I can sit here and say it shouldn't have happened. It should have happened. It, it did happen, and they seem fine with it. Yeah, and here's the the other reality: is Wayne Simmons didn't give him his best shot, despite the fact that he ended up with uh, Mark on his face. Uh, once yeah. he started to turtle, it was over. And I think if Wayne Simmons gave him his best shot, he, maybe we're having that secondary ugly conversation that you're having. Yeah, there was there was a feeling there quickly in that fight that Alex Edler was hanging on for dear life, which I think you know deserves a lot of honor because I think he knew I'm going into this and I'm just going to try to not get hurt. And I think Wayne Simmons. And like I said, I've never been in an NHL fight. I never will be in an NHL fight. I'm not going to pretend to understand what those guys go through mm-hmm. because it, it, it's, it, it's, 
it takes the courage that they have to be able to go out there and do that is I don't think anyone understands that. And people who insult the guys that just go out there and fight, I, I don't get because what they're doing is so wildly challenging mentally and physical. But I think Wayne Simmons probably saw that pretty early on and thought, I'm not going to. I'm going to send my message and we're going to move on. And I think if you ask Wayne Simmons, he'd probably tell you the same, that he could have probably inflicted a lot more damage uh, than he did. Yeah, you can't get in fights. you got to protect that moneymaker, buddy. Like that, I'm on your Instagram page right now. Like it is, man. Uh, when are we going to see whatever it is that you did with Elliot Friedman where he's wearing the glasses? Uh, soon, I think. I think um, I haven't gotten I haven't gotten clearance from the the important people who make those decisions yet. Uh, but I would say a week or two, maybe. Don't take that to the bank. But it's 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 fine. Elliot was a superstar as always. You know, Elliot uh, he ran with it, and uh, it's it's some good stuff from from the fridge. It, it's top quality. All right, I can't wait for that. Again, congrats on where you are, titan of sports media. Don't forget the little people, though. You know, on your rise to the top, Sean. Thanks. I, you don't for you don't forget. You're sitting here with your own radio show. Yeah, yeah. Sensational. <laughs> thanks, buddy. All right. Talk soon. See ya. Ben, thanks, man. Uh, Sean McKenzie, Sportsnet hockey reporter and uh, male model.